Hi, this is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter. I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and Niagara Gazette sports editor. And welcome to episode 15 of Buffalo Press Box. 15 of these, Nick. What do you think? Did you think we'd make it this far? Um, you're a wild card. You're you're kind of a runaway. So it's it's all it's a week to week thing with you. <laughs> yes, we've been going strong since September. And here we are, episode 15. I, I thought by now we'd be uh, talking about maybe the Bills uh, clinching the division, clinching home field, whatever. But we're talking about the Bills maybe at the start of an improbable run toward a, you know, the AFC's last wild card spot or whatever. They beat the Bills, excuse me, the Bills beat the Chiefs 20 to 17. The city was just a wild, memorable game. I don't think anyone's going to forget anytime soon. And it, it was just one of those games that feels like it could be a season turner. I mean, we saw, you know, it was a close game and it wasn't high, high scoring, but it was, we saw some of the Bills' best. Um, do you feel that this win, with this win, the Bills are back? So um, I, I don't know if they're back. Like, you know, it's still, I mean, they've got, I think, realistically, have to win for, four games to feel comfortable getting in the playoffs. Um, and the Cowboys are really, really good. Um, but things are, are kind of starting to spill their way a little bit. They've played better the last three weeks. Um, they're still looking kind of for that complete game, I think, still. Um, but, you know, you look around the league, they got some help. Um, I believe there's there's five teams now that are seven and six. Um, maybe six. Um, I think six. There's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> a lot of parity at the bottom or in the yeah, middle, I should say. Yeah, and then you know, last night the Titans improbably come back to beat the Dolphins, scoring 14 points in the last three minutes. That was a big, a big boost, at least for you know. Now, realistically, what the 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 division is still um within their grasp if they win the last four, including being the Dolphins and in the final week of the season and they get at least um, some help in one other game there. Um, and the Dolphins play the Cowboys and the Ravens as well. So um, that's still, you know, out there for now, um, maybe improbable, but out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Herbert, uh, the Chargers quarterback, he was announced he's out for the season. Um, obviously the bills go to Los Angeles, December 23rd. That obviously helps them. So, I mean, Things are out there. I mean, Pittsburgh is playing with a backup quarterback. Cincinnati's playing with a backup quarterback. Indianapolis is playing with a backup quarterback. Cleveland is playing with Joe Flacco, yeah, fresh off the street. I mean, Cleveland has Cleveland's won won uh, games with four different starting quarterbacks. That's that's pretty wild. Their defense is outstanding, but you have to wonder how long can they continue to keep this up? Is that uh, a record? What's that? Was that a record? Do we do we know? I'm not sure. I mean, it's what? if it isn't, it's close. <laughs> Got to be, I would think. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So there, there are whatever they want is still out there. I do think if they can beat the Cowboys, then I mean, look out. I mean, obviously, I think every everyone in Buffalo knows to brace for disappointment you know you go out and beat the cowboys and then come back and lose to the chargers with a backup quarterback or the patriots again um mm-hmm. 
but you know, you you win you win Sunday against the Cowboys and everything is everything is at their fingertips. Amazing. After all they've been through, they're still in the thick of it. So Sean McDermott had quite the week last week. There was that report on uh on Go Long uh that he you know uh, he referenced uh 9-11 and giving a speech to his team several years ago and, and there was just there was just a, just a ton of attention on him and a lot of negative attention. And at the end of it, you know, at the end of the week, I mean, the Bills have a huge, huge win. I mean, we heard stories about players, uh, you know, stepping up in meetings and, and showing their support for him. Uh, just what do you make of just the week he just endured and how he came out, came out from it? Oh, I mean, you throw into there the fact that they've, they've, I don't want to say like back to Von Miller, but essentially they've done that by not suspending him or making him inactive. I mean, mm-hmm. that throw that in the mix there. Um, and, and McDermott kind of refused to, to answer questions about it. Um, you know, in, in his press conference. So toss that into the mix, toss the fact that his defense has, has given up a, a bunch of um, comebacks in the last two minutes of games. Um, I mean, he's, he, he's had, he's had himself quite a couple of weeks here. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a tough situation because he hasn't lost the, he hasn't lost the locker room. I think we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about that here, um, throughout their, their struggles this year. And I think there's proof of that Sunday. I mean, that they came out and they played hard for him again. Um, and it, it just kind of shows that this is a business. I think McDermott is a very clinchy guy. Um, what you see is what you get with him. There's not a whole whole bunch of... Uh, there's not much humor in him. Um, and when there I is, noticed. it's dry. <laughs> um, so... You know, he he's he is what you what you see is what you get with Sean McDermott. There is not a different Sean McDermott, you know, behind closed doors. I mean, not too much. Um, but it's a business, and as long as they're winning and he's winning, and he's doing things to get them to win or put them in position to win, they're gonna back him, and that's what's happening now. Um. He's got a lot of credibility with those guys, especially, you know, the guys who have been here for a while, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, guys like that. Um, he's won a lot of games and, you know, their careers have surged or experienced resurgence with him because he brought them in and put them in a certain position. So they're going to have his back. Um, and that was a, it was a big game for him. He saw it, you know, after the game, he, you know, it was almost like he had clinched a playoff berth or or you know won a playoff game or something the way that huh. that you know he he kind of bent over in in relief um but I, I think in some ways you saw the same Sean McDermott Sunday in some ways he was a little different um you know you still had some of the old head scratchers you know some of the you know, the clock management at the end of the game or at the end of the half where it was, you know, what are you doing? Um, 
because I think their their end of the half, both offensively and defensively, in terms of clock management, was awful. Um, you know, there was not trying to kick a field goal at the end of the half. I mean, yeah, it would be 60, 61 yards, but I think odds of odds of hitting that are better than A, getting it blocked to a point where it gets returned, and B, completing a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't want to do that. Um, but at the same time, I think you saw from the game where I don't think that he meddled in the offense as much as usual. I think he kind of let Joe Brady be Joe Brady. And, you know, maybe that wasn't always good at times, especially in the second half um, where, you know, James Cook had 83 yards receiving in the first half and, you know, five carries for 35 or four carries for 35 yards on the first drive of the second half. And then he goes like, he had, I think he had three carries the rest of the game. Um, and all the while, the offensive line is kind of a turnstile and Josh Allen's running for his life and they're not doing anything to to plug those holes. Um, maybe that's a that's an area where McDermott actually needs to step in and say, hey, let's 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 slow things down a little bit and and you know pull pull the ball out a little bit, I guess. You know, in basketball, you know, and and reset. Um, but um they held the they held Patrick Mahomes to, to 17 points. I think that's uh I think that's a feat for for Sean McDermott. For sure. So how how do they do it? How do they keep Mahomes in check? I mean, he's still he's still got going on a little bit, but I don't think he ever looked like the Patrick Mahomes, you know, we're all used to. I mean, they they did a you know, they did a very, very good job on him. What did they do? Yeah, so I, I mean obviously part of it is that his his receivers aren't aren't as good as they have been over the years. For sure. Um but the Bills kept him in the pocket. Um they blitzed him nine times and he I mean he carved it up. He was six for nine for seventy yards or so. Um did have an interception against the blitz, but um he just he wasn't overly affected by the blitz. Um, he's not he's not a guy overly affected by um, being flushed out of the pocket. I think he thrives in those moments. Um, you know, comparatively, like Josh Allen isn't as phased with contact or the blitz, but you get him out of the pocket unless he's scrambling. Um, he's not as comfortable when you move him off his spot. Whereas Patrick Mahomes. You know, when you keep him out of the pocket and you prevent plays from breaking down, that's that's kind of when you have your chances with him. Um, they hit him. They only sacked him once, but they hit him eight times. One was a penalty. It was an incomplete pass, but it was a penalty, so it was kind of negated. But on the record, he was one for seven for eight yards when the Bills hit him, including the last two plays of the game. Um, they ended a couple of drives that way. Von Miller... Um, who played without a knee brace, by the way, I think that's, that was notable and maybe a reason for, for some of his, I think is the best game he's played all season. Obviously he didn't for get a sure. sec. I think but, it was the first time you really noticed him. Yes. Yeah. He, he had two, two quarterback hits, ended a drive with one, um, forced a fourth and 15 with the other one. And then obviously Leonard Floyd closed it out with, you know, getting a piece of Mahomes' arm and hitting him on the last play of the game. Um, or the last Chiefs play of the game. So that's that's kind of how they did it. I mean, Mahomes had one scramble um, 
for, for eight yards in the game. And I think in the previous five, he had like 184 yards just scrambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big part of it. Just keeping him in the pocket, not allowing him to extend and make some of those plays, you know, you know, those, those scramble drills are tough on defensive backs and the chiefs have thrived in those so much over the years and the bills just didn't let them happen. Okay, Nick. So we, 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 we all saw the, uh, the Travis Kelsey lateral, you know, the game that would have set up the, the, the late go ahead score. It was called back because Tony was offsides and, and whatever. I mean, you, you just, I think you kind of accepted him. He's clearly offside. I mean, it's black and white. It's, you know, the play doesn't count. And, and Patrick Mahomes was going nuts on the sideline. I mean, it continued when he was like walking off the field, when he, you know, had his little encounter with Josh Allen at the end of the game. I mean, went on in his his, his post game news conference. I mean, if you're offside, you're offside. I mean, and that was a that was an all time rant. It was, but I mean, it, it was ridiculous. I I I was trying to think back, and I've you know followed the NFL since the '80s, and I, I've seen some bad officiating, and I just I remember the bills getting screwed on, on calls. And I, to this day, I still think they got screwed on a lot of things and this and that, but I mean, when they, when they, when they threw the flag and they announced the offside, like, did you think that they were, it was about to be offsides in the bills? I didn't know what it seemed like it was coming back, but I, I, you know, I, I didn't know, but it, it was just, you know, it's, it's so black and white. I mean, it's offside play doesn't count and you move on i don't i mean for them to get angry they just look childish they were whiny and you know i've i've seen some bad officiating but i mean that's not what i would consider bad officiating the call's the call and i don't it was like they were entitled to it i mean you, you hear mahomes talking about you know greatness you know and all this i mean the play doesn't count it's not a great play so what, what do you what do you make of the whining well, I, 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 contrary to Patrick Mahomes' belief, I don't think, uh, I don't think calling that play back is going to impact Travis Travis Kelsey's uh, career. I don't think the <laughs> Hall of Fame voters are going to hold that against him. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was it was all time embarrassing. I mean, Andy Reid spoke for less than three minutes, and it was all about officiating. Yeah, like. I mean, and it wasn't close. Like this is this isn't like it was a judgment call, like a pass interference. Um, it was blatantly offsides, and I mean to the like, and the referees, Carl Cheffer said in the post in the you know the pool report, you know this that it was it was beyond warning. And yeah, any receiver who's who's played football before knows, you know, you can when you get to if you're supposed to be on or off the line of scrimmage, you can you can signal to the official and they'll usually tell you, yeah, you're on. No, you're not. Um, Tony, I don't believe did that. I think he looked over, but he didn't, he didn't check. Um, but at the end of the day too, like you can, they can give you advice, but it's not, it's not a requirement and they're responsible for where they line up. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I agree hundred percent. I mean, 
I don't, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I've never seen whining to that degree, uh, you know, on a black and white call. I mean, the, the fact that they think they're entitled to it, it's just, it, it's, it, it's bonkers to me. You know, I, I think a little bit they're, they're, I think they're trying to figure out how to lose a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they've, this is what their toughest season in six years, uh, whatever. I mean, they, they haven't gone through a season like this in a while. Um, well, I mean, you look, just go back to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, pretty much a pass interference call ended the game. Yeah, I mean, they, they got the benefit of... You, you didn't hear the Eagles complaining about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the biggest game, in the biggest game of the year, and, you know, Nick Sirianni is not in there saying, you know, they didn't have to, they didn't, why, let them, let them play, let the players decide the game. I mean, the, James Bradbury, who, who, got a call. I was like, yeah, it was pass interference. I was hoping they weren't going to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, he wasn't, he wasn't complaining about it. I mean, it was like, I don't know. It, it was bizarre, I think. Um, but it was just, I mean, it was clear. It was a pass. It was offsides. Um, I mean, not even close. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was a half a step away from lining up, uh, you know, as a defensive end for the bills. <laughs> Um, it was, it was, I mean, I don't know how you can even contest it. Um, because they, they certainly weren't going to complain if it was, if Von Miller was offsides, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it was called, um, they weren't going to complain about that in the same situation. You know, if, if the bills got like a forced fumble or an interception or something and Von Miller was offsides, they weren't going to complain and say, you know, let us, let us play. Um, so I don't know. It, it was, it certainly, it certainly didn't play into the hands of the of the of the people who try to defend them and saying that they're not crybabies or anything like that with um, getting all and getting all the calls and things like that. So um, I don't know. It, it was I don't know, disappointing. I think a as a as a from a journalist standpoint, you want to hear what they have to say about the game. And they just complain about the officiating for a combined 10 minutes. Um, so uh, not a good look, not a good look because you know what? You could say a lot about the bills and some of their post-game tactics. You know, Stefan Diggs hasn't spoken after a game all season, uh, win or lose. Amazing. Uh, right. I mean, <laughs> they've had guys decline to talk. James Cook twice has declined to talk. Um, Gabe wow. Davis stormed out of the locker room um, in Cincinnati after not not getting a catch. Um, you know they they after losses they like to usher Josh Allen in and out uh, real quick, and his press press conferences are really really short after losses. But um, you haven't re- you haven't heard them complain about officiating uh, too often, so. And I think you know Sean McDermott. If Sean McDermott complains about officiating, man, can you imagine that? No, I couldn't imagine the uh, the firestorm and all that. No, people would be out of their minds. Of course they would. Okay, Nick. So the the Cowboys come to Buffalo on a five game winning streak. They're tied for first in the NFC East with the Eagles, uh, a team they just beat on Sunday Night Football at home, thirty three to thirteen. I mean, this is going to be a tough tough game coming off that that uh chiefs win uh 
just how good are the Cowboys in your opinion? I mean, they're seven and zero at home, three and three on the road, so uh, not quite the same team away from uh, Dallas, but just I mean, they look like a powerhouse. Yeah, the Cowboys are are a wagon right now. I mean, obviously we, they just they just gave it to the Eagles pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but I think as as any Bills fan knows, after Week Four when they beat the Dolphins, the the top team in the league changes by the week. It seems, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the Cowboys are really good. They can they can score in a variety of different ways. Um, they can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They got a bunch of different weapons. Um, obviously, a lot of the talk this week is going to be about trying to stop Micah Parsons. Um, but you know, Parsons in, in a lot of ways is like Chris Jones, the Chiefs' defensive tackle. You know, Parsons is a hybrid and linebacker, so kind of so different. Um, but similar in that the Cowboys line him up all over the field. Um, so um, finding him is going to be critical, but Josh Allen is so good at scrambling and making plays and the bills line is, is, is much, much improved. Um, so I think if they, as long as they identify him, they should be, be able to keep him at bay. Um, but I think the the big key is Tony Pollard, the, the Cowboys running back. Um, the bills are among the league leaders in, in, um, most yards per carry allowed. Um, and they are among the league leaders in, in, um, receiving yards by running backs and the Cowboys have targeted, um, their running backs over 60 times or their running backs have over 60 receptions this year. And Tony Pollard has, um, around 50 himself. So, um, finding him in, 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 trying to take him out of the game. I think that's going to be critical for the defense. And then um, one area to watch is Allen scrambling. Um, the Cowboys are, are have given up um, among the most uh, quarterback rushing yards of the season. Um, so it may, it may be a game for Allen to get loose um, when he breaks the pocket this week. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a, another Herculean effort for the bills. I mean, they're, they're going to have to play well, not just, not just defensively, but they're going to need a complete game offensively. I think they played pretty well um, early in the game against the chiefs, but that interception, I think really, really swung the momentum um, offensively and they never really got it back. Um, No, they didn't. Yeah. Why do you, I should, let me backtrack a little. So you're talking about the James Cook thing. Why do you think they suddenly stopped giving James Cook the ball if they were having success? I think sometimes offensive coordinators, no matter what level of football you're talking about, uh, try to too much to be the smartest person in the room <laughs> instead of going with what works. Um, and I think there was some of that there with the Bills. Um, you know, it's easy to when you have Josh Allen to just sling it all the time. Um, but James Cook, I mean, Joe Brady said it wasn't it wasn't a, a benching or whatever. Um, but he he I mean he ended up only having like four not only did he have 10 carries, he had 58 yards, but he only had 10 carries. And he mm-hmm. played 44% of the snaps. So I mean, that's just I don't know. Um, that's a head scratcher. And I, I, I asked Joe Brady about it. He was asked by other people about it. 
Um, I don't think he really gave an answer, um, a definitive answer on it. Just kind of said they were trying to get into some other things. Um, but uh, they can't do that this week. Um, if something is working, they need to stick to it because their offense, I mean, at times, not a whole lot, a whole lot of stuff does work outside of Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. Um, and their running game still doesn't have an identity. It's not like they have, you know, we're going to, we're going to do this one thing and stick to it. It's okay. On this play, we're doing this. And on this play, we're doing this. Like they don't have a running identity and they need no, to develop I mean, one. They just, like, I mean, you have no, seems like you have no idea who's going to be in there. I mean, guys suddenly stop getting the ball, whether it's, uh, Cook in the middle of a game, or you know, we saw Latavius Murray's carries have dropped. Um, they've involved Ty Johnson, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it, it's been it's it's pretty unique where they just uh, there's not not really that feature back. Although yeah. James Cook is chugging toward a thousand yards, though, isn't he? He is. He is. Um, and I, I talked to Robert Turbin last week. Um, he's a, a a former NFL running back won a Super Bowl with the the Seahawks. He's now um, an analyst for NFL Sirius XM, and he d- doesn't think that the Bills have this identity where they, at times, they want to be like this outside zone team, mm-hmm. but then they're gonna run, and then they on you know the next play, not even like the next series, the next play they're running like a trap. Um, they got to pick one. You know, are they a man team? Are they an outside zone team? Um, and it shouldn't change running back to running back either. Like Latavius Murray, the one thing you get from Latavius Murray is that you know he's an inside zone kind of guy um, just because he doesn't have a whole lot of lateral quickness. But James Cook, they got him doing everything in the book, and that's not that's not always the – just because he can do it doesn't mean he needs to. Um, so they need to, they need to hone in on some of that and, and try to figure out who they are. Um, but I mean, the, the, the Cowboys, if you get into a game and the Cowboys pass rush can just tee off, it's not going to be an ideal situation for the bills because I've, you know, Chris Jones is, is a, is a superb player, but he's not Micah Parsons in terms of, uh, pass rushing ability. And you don't want a guy like that to just be able to, to pin his ears and, and get after you. And I mean, they got Demarcus Lawrence on the other side too, and he's also good. So um, the Bills really have to avoid that one-dimensional game um, Sunday. Okay, Nick. So I think it's prediction time. Uh, I'll go first. As usual, I'll be picking the Bills. I've only been wrong. I've only been wrong six times this year. Think about it. I'm gonna pick the Bills. Thirty twenty-four. Thirty twenty-four. So Sean McDermott is seven and zero after the bye, right? Mm-hmm. He's two and four the the second game after the bye. Boy. Um it's a toss up. Um because you feel like something is brewing with the Bills a little bit. But living in Buffalo, you know <laughs> you know not to play the odds. Um, true. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna pick the Bills, I guess. Um All right. All right. 28-24. All right. So again, it's a kind of close to my score, but uh, I'll let it pass this time. Well, you pick the same score every week. So? <laughs> and the same team. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But, you're not very uh, you you're too you you're you're not very objective, Bill. You're a homer. Whatever, man. Whatever. You're, you're a homer. Speaking of of other other uh home teams, the Sabres, the Sabres appear to be turning a corner here. Just like the Bills. Imagine that. Points <laughs> in after after being steamrolled, <laughs> um seems like every every first period for about a week, the Sabres have points in in each of their last three games. They've got wins in two of the last three, fresh off a 5-2 win over the Arizona Coyotes. Not the Phoenix Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes. Right, Arizona Coyotes. Not the Winnipeg Jets either. Correct. So, have the have the Sabres turned a corner? Well, it's only three games, but I mean they're they're showing that yes maybe they have maybe they're everything's finally sunk in and they're getting the message and they're understanding how they need to play to be successful i mean they've they've settled down they're starting games stronger and they uh i mean they're playing just harder and more direct i mean there's nothing too crazy about it they're just they're just tougher to play against they're 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 simpler Uh, they're winning more battles and I mean, it goes back to that Boston game. I mean, it was last Thursday was a terrific win, and they just did everything right. And they lost to Montreal, but they still played well. I mean, if they play like that, they'll win more than often, more often than not. Excuse me. And then on, on Monday against Arizona, they 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 had another strong game. I mean, it wasn't the greatest game ever, but I mean, it was again. If they play like that, they'll win more often than not. And they just, I mean. Uh, I think, I, th- I think. I mean, it's taken, it's taken, you know, almost two months to get here. Basically, two months. Um, I, I think, as we've talked about, a lot of guys thought things would carry over from last year. That that, that things would be easy. That they could turn on the offense whenever they want. And they're they're, they're learning just, you know really how tough the league is and, and, and teams are ready for them and, and, and so forth. And I, th- I think they've, they've started to adjust. It's a small sample size, but you have to like what you've seen here in the last week for sure. Then they have, they have uh, the Admiral Eric Robinson yes. um, wearing number 50 in honor of David Robinson. Um, obviously, you know, he, <laughs> we, we thought he had a goal in, the, in his first game with a team. That was given, I believe, to Victor Olofsson. It was um, called off. It was called off. Okay. Yeah. Or waved off. Excuse me. Waved off. He was he was ejected um, from yeah. from uh, the game against the Canadians on Saturday, and then he comes back and has a goal and two assists. Um, I mean, this is a guy who uh, was on waivers earlier this season, and and all of a sudden he's making an impact for the Sabers. For sure, and he's made a big impact. Again, three games, you know, it's not, it's not quite a season changer yet. But I mean, he has. I mean, a lot of what you've seen is is uh, you you can trace some of it to him. I think, and I asked Don Granado this after the game last night. He, Eric Robinson, you know, he has good speed, but I mean, he's not. I mean, he's just a straight ahead player. I mean, he's he's high motor just the type of player exactly the type of player they needed and when you have a player like that that has a high work ethic and 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 you know 
fights for his ice and whatever you want to call it, I, that rubs off on guys. And, and, and I think you've seen it rub off on guys, uh, just the example it sets. And it also underscores just, I mean, when you make a trade in season and, and, and get a new guy, it can make it can make a difference. I mean, the Sabres only sent the Blue Jackets a conditional seventh-round pick. I mean, the price was <laughs> basically about as cheap as you can get a player. And um, you're starting to see, you know, he fits so well at left wing, or he fits well at left wing with uh, Peyton Krebs and Kyle Oposo on that and that third fourth line. I mean, that's usually Zumgitz Gergensen's spot, but I mean, he's quite honestly, he's. I mean, Zumgitz Gergensen has been an effective player for the Sabres for a long time, but he's hurt right now and. He's been a lot more effective in a week than Zemkis Gergensen's has been, you know, a lot of the year, just providing offense and stuff. So he's definitely given them a spark. And um, you just, what he's done has been, you know, it's been notable just to see a quick impact and, and just how it, it, it's rubbed off on guys, I believe. I think you should, you should approach them about, about giving him the nickname, the Admiral. Sure. It's your job, Bill. You're hung up on that. It's like, it's like he's the only person named Robinson. Like, there's only two people in the world named Robinson: David Robinson, the former San Antonio Spurs superstar, and they're Eric both Robinson. wearing number fifty. Bill, <laughs> what are the odds, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. his situation is pretty pretty wild. Um, I mean, obviously he's playing right now, but like once Gergensen is healthy, it's not out of the question that his play drops off. And he's back on waivers, so um, he'll be he'll be an interesting interesting guy to watch. You know, the next couple of weeks here. I mean, uh, I don't I don't expect him to keep scoring. You know, uh, you know, a, you know, whatever a point a game or whatever. But I mean, I I don't I, I can't envision him being back on waivers right now, just the way he's played and how well he's fit. Um, when the time comes, and Zemgus Gergensen is week to week. It sounds like he's not progressing as quickly as they thought. And when the time comes, I mean, it's something they'll have to address. But I think I think Eric Robinson will be here for the foreseeable future. You have a you have a track record of predictions, Bill. <laughs> um, with with one of his line mates here, Kyle Poso, to a goal and two assists. Um, also had what was the game tying goal against the Canadians to send it to overtime. On Saturday, um, this is a guy who I think maybe has lost a step. Um, he's a guy that that people want out of the lineup, or wanted out of the lineup, and here he is, uh, just producing the last couple of games, and they've needed it. Oh, for sure, he scored some critical goals recently. Uh, yeah, he was he was a guy. I mean, I mean, first of all, you're not going to scratch your captain. I mean, you, you don't rely. I mean you want Kyle Oposo to score, of course, and you'd like more offense from him and this and that. But I mean, he's, he's evolved into a third, fourth line checker. I mean, he's 35 years old, whatever, 16 years in the league. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get the Kyle Oposo that had 60 points or 20. I mean, even a couple of years ago, he had 20 goals. You're probably not going to get that player anymore. Um, So he's just evolved into something different, but I mean, he still does have a lot of those, those scoring qualities and they've come out recently. I, you know, talked to him about it after the game and I think he's trying to shoot more. I think he's, he's gotten his timing down and it took time. I mean, 19 goalless game. I mean, 
when you're at that market, I mean, I'm sure it feels like you're never going to score again. But I mean, he's come back in the last ten here. I mean, it's like five goals and whatever eight points in the last ten, I think. So I mean, he's found a groove. I mean, I don't think he's going to keep that up. But I, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that he could, you know, score, you know, score whatever. 12, 15, 16 goals this year. I mean, stranger things have happened. I mean, he's getting power play time. So in those, those contributions, I mean, are huge. When you when you get goals, and, and I mean, they got what, whatever, three goals or whatever last night from uh, that third, fourth line of Krebs, Robinson, and Oposo. I mean, that, that's huge. And that's one thing that line wanted to concentrate. I know Gergen says is missing. But that's one thing they they wanted to concentrate on this year, just adding more offense, and they they really haven't uh, until last couple of games here. Um, you know, they had good chemistry; they established established themselves as a a key checking line, but they just didn't bring a lot of offense last year. And now Krebs got one. Um, Robinson uh, looks like he can contribute some offense, and and Oposo's found a bit of a groove. So those are key key goals. Peyton Krebs scored against the Coyotes. You know, it was only his second goal of the year. Yeah. Um, is is this who he is? Do you think this just a, a third, fourth line guy, a scrapper? Uh, he he could be. Uh, I, I you know, obviously he was a first round pick. Um, he would have been a higher pick too if he didn't tear his Achilles. But yeah, right now that's what he is. I, I think he has a higher level. What the higher level is, I don't know. I mean. You see, I've seen him make, we've seen him make plays. I mean, just his vision and his hockey sense where he looks like a guy that could have easily 40, 50 points, just, you know, the way he can, you know, create a goal or whatever. But I mean, right now he's, yeah, he's a checker. Um, I think he's evolved into a bit of a pest. We've seen him fight. He's getting underneath the opponent's skin regularly, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the size to be a checker, but he's a pest. And I mean, they've had they've had injuries that you would think would give him a chance to move up. Um, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, he's 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 moved around a little bit, but yeah, he's mostly stayed with Oposo and Gergensen's and, and for for the over a year. I mean, there's been a little change. I think they moved him up once in October for a game or two. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this might be who he is. Um, just uh, a, a third liner. But I mean, I mean, he's still an asset. I mean, he he could he's a guy that could very easily find a higher level of offense very soon, and and you know, evolve into a, a you know a 35, 40 point guy, no problem. He he definitely has the skill and the smarts. All right, Bill. The Sabers now are are headed out west uh, for a three game swing here. They get the Avalanche in a in a rematch of a game they really thumped them earlier in the season. Um, uh, that's uh, that's Wednesday, and then uh, they get a a game against Jack Eichel in the in the the Golden Knights in Vegas, and then uh, a rematch with the Canadian or the Coyotes. Um, you know what? What are you looking for with this this three game swing here out west? I'm looking for them to just to get more points. I mean, they've played the Avs tough recently in the past couple of years. Um, uh, they've had some nice games against Vegas. I mean, Arizona's much improved. They're really, I think, one of the league's bigger surprises. Although they've they're in a in a, in a bit of a slump now. 
these are having I mean, three tough games, but they just they have to keep getting points. They have to string together some wins. I don't expect them to sweep the trip, but uh, I mean, if they can get four points, even three points, really, but just if they can get three, four points and keep plowing forward. I mean, they just have to get on a run here, though. They have to win three in a row at some point, four in a row, as we've said again and again. They have to make that climb at some point sooner than later. And the way they played the last three, they're showing the qualities that, yes, they can get on a – they could get on a run maybe here soon. I mean, their consistency this season has just been – it's been maddening where you, you see them, they play a complete game, and the next game they're just – they fall apart. And it's uh, – if they don't clean it up – excuse me, if they don't get on that run soon as we've talked about, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're going to miss the playoffs possibly. I mean, it, it, it's and it's – especially pertinent to get some points out of this because you look at what's wrapped around Christmas. I mean, you got, you got the Rangers, you got the Bruins. Um, there's a third team in there too. I mean, it's all, it's sandwiched between, Oh, the Leafs. They got the Leafs coming to town right before Christmas. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got a three game stretch with the Leafs, the Rangers and the Bruins and sandwiched between obviously, you know, the blue jackets who are having a tough year, but I mean, those are three tough games. You're not going to envision winning all three of those games or even two out of three, maybe. So, I mean, getting some points here is pretty critical. Of course. And the schedule has been, I mean, it's been a pretty relentless schedule. There's a lot of parody in the NHL. I mean, Don Granato talks about how the difference between a top team and, you know, a team, whatever, another team is, it's, I mean, it's, it's minuscule. And we, we've seen that this year. I mean, we've seen, Teams we expected to be maybe fighting for a spot jump up like like the Red Wings and we've seen you know the Coyotes as I said much much improved I mean so uh, I mean there are no other than you know you see Columbus and you see some other teams and you think oh that's a game they should win but beyond beyond you know two or three teams I don't I don't think there's going to be many. <laughs> Easy nights for the Sabres. And yes, and for the next couple of weeks here, it's it's pretty relentless. All right. So Bill, it was announced, uh it was announced that uh the NHL is gonna make some some changes to uh its skills competition. And Connor McDavid was a, had a big hand in that. So it looks like it's gonna be limited to 12, 12 competitors, eight determined by NHL's hockey operations department and the NHLPA. And then fans can vote on the final four. Uh, and this is going to start this year. And the events are the fastest skater, hardest shot, stick handling, one timers, passing challenge, accuracy shooting. And then the top eight will go to the shootout and the top six will go to an obstacle course. What do you make of these, of these changes? Absolutely. Like a, like a double dare obstacle yeah. course. Yeah, and the last whoever loses gets gets a uh, slime dumped on them. Wow. Yeah. Um, they have to do they have to find the flag or whatever they had to do on double dare. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I, I think I, first of all, I think it's smart to put to give a player a voice in it. I mean, he he, he would know what <laughs> what players want to do and what players don't want to do, and uh, I think it's good that they're they're willing to evolve and, and try some different things in different formats. Um. I mean. <laughs> I haven't watched the skills competition in many, many, many years, but I mean, 
uh, th th they've tinkered with in recent years. We saw some stuff in Vegas a couple of years ago. So, I mean, I give them credit for, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big fan of all-star games in general, but I give them credit for just trying new things and trying to evolve with it for sure. I mean, and this new format sounds pretty good in my opinion. Did you follow the NBA in season tournaments at all? No. What What would you, I, I I'm sure you're aware that it, it took place. Yes. Um, what would you think of something like that in the NHL? Uh, why not? I mean, it's, it, it, there's a monotony, uh, as a season. I mean, the, whatever the, the dog days of whatever January, I mean, the season's, I mean, it's 82 games. It's six months um, to grind. And if there's something that can break it up, something that can add excitement to, you know, games in the middle of the season, why not try something new? Now, I wouldn't like it to totally screw up the format of the NHL's regular season. But, I mean, if they can work it within those confines, why not try it? I mean, it's it's it is a slog. I mean, and it's a slog for everybody. I mean, you're asking fans to to take 41, 41 nights of the year off, and that's just the regular season to to go to games. And you're in the building, man. I mean, you see some of that. I mean, look at the the this game on Saturday. It, it, there were a lot of empty seats and a whole lot of red in the arena. There was a lot of red, and you know, even even last night. I mean, the Coyotes are, are a good team, but I mean, the Coyotes. I mean, no offense to them, they don't. They're not going to they move the needle. No, they don't move the needle. I mean, the they announced fourteen thousand something, uh, and I mean, there weren't fourteen thousand in the house. I mean, a Monday, you know, a Monday in December with the, you know, the Arizona Coyotes in town doesn't generate a lot of buzz. I mean, so right. if you could, you know turn that visit into some sort of you know tournament with some rewards then maybe you know you can get more people out for sure i think one thing they need to do as well is um bring back the uh home team wears white you're preaching to the choir man as someone who grew up with the uh the home team wearing white i don't like the dark uniforms on the road the color never changes in the rink because the home team's always wearing their their color and uh the visitors are always wearing white so it's like e e the color never changes i've never liked it and the other thing is i i don't do they need to do they need to play a home and home with every west coast team like i don't know i i just feel like it'd be it, they'd be better suited to open some of those games up for the division um, and that, that's what I don't get is the, you know, you're, you have this team in your division, the team, you know, whatever, in the Leafs case, you know, two hours away, if, you know, other teams, what you know, the East coast and their traditional rivals, you've been in their division for decades. And now all of a sudden you're playing them, you know, three times a year and they come in once, you know, they come in whatever, whatever team I'd have to look at the schedule, you know, comes in as many times as Arizona comes in. I, I don't get that. I, I think you should play your divisional opponents more for sure. And it's gone from eight to six to four. And it's just, it keeps dwindling. And I, I, I don't like it because I, I think you should really, 
have that whatever hatred or I mean there should be more intense rivalries in the NHL and I think when you dilute it with more games from Western teams, uh, it, it just it just doesn't work for me. No, and I mean people in people in Vegas, people in Arizona, people in Colorado aren't clamoring for the Sabers to come to town either, even if no, they're good. They're not. I mean, right? Maybe in years past when they had Dominic Hasek or post lockout when they were one of the uh, uh, you know best teams in the league maybe maybe they did want to see them and right now I, and the sabers i mean they have a lot of talent and i think they can certainly entertain but they, i mean given where they've been i don't think you know people are clamoring for sabers tickets so sabers tickets on the road when they visit a lot of these town these cities so yeah you're right and it's just i just i can't wrap my head around uh you know some of these teams in the division making one visit it's not it's not enough the leaf shouldn't come here once boston shouldn't come here once you know the sabers shouldn't go there once there should be a whole lot more well bill less than two weeks to christmas have you gotten your shopping done no you better hurry up (laughs) i'll get get your tree up the tree is up good job bill thank you you're brimming with Christmas spirit. I know you can tell, right? Right, right. Yep, we got the tree up Sunday. Uh, it's sparkling in all its glory. So, uh, yeah. Are you going to go visit Santa Claus, sit on his lap? Am I going to go visit Santa Claus and sit on his lap again, do you mean? Again? You've already gone? <laughs> no, I will not be going to visit Santa. We're doing it Saturday for Are Harper. You? And uh, you know what it costs? It costs money now. Really? Yeah, like there's no option to opt out of the photos. Wow, so you, in my to, day it was free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they've eliminated um a lot of the line the, the line waiting. You can pick your time, but mm-hmm. you can't opt out of like the photos. No oh boy. Yeah, I don't think uh yeah, the days of Santa I don't know where I saw him hills or who knows, the mall, whatever. But uh, yeah, I think those days are over. Yeah. It's a different world now. Paying for pictures with Santa. It is, yeah, yeah. All right, Nick. Episode fifteen in the books. You feel good about this one? I feel good about this one. All right. So thank you for joining us. You can leave us a review. Tell your friends. You can send us an email. Email at buffalopressbox at gmail dot com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next week.